The scripture reading for today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the home, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by a different route. We have here a story about two different reactions to the coming of the Messiah, to Jesus' birth. There is first here Herod, this great king. Herod was an emperor, an imperial appointment by the emperor of Rome, actually. He was made king of the Jews in order to keep the Jews calm. See, two things, two things were important to Rome. As far, they would let you do anything you want as long as you paid your taxes and kept the peace. If there was, if there was trouble... Then Rome started to get antsy and got involved, and that's when literally heads would roll. So they stuck, because Judea was such a difficult place and there was a lot of rebellion, they thought, well, let's put Herod in there and give the Jewish people their own king, and maybe they can keep the peace. And if he doesn't, we'll kill him too. So they put Herod in there. And Herod enjoyed a lavish lifestyle, you know. He was king with all the trimmings, had a palace in Jerusalem and several other places. He had great architects that were building all kinds of things. He was even working on a temple when Jesus came uh, for the Jewish people. And uh, he wasn't, you know, he was a terrible person, but he was also a generous person. There, There's a it's recorded in history that when there was a famine that hit Palestine, he melted down all of his personal gold to feed the hungry. 
But then he also killed anybody that got in his way. And uh, it was often said that it was better to be... He, he had this habit of killing his children because he didn't... He was a, his relatives because he was afraid that they would take over his throne, all right? And in fact, there's a saying that says it's better to be Herod's pig than to be Herod's son. And uh, in Hebrew, or in, in Greek, that, er, no, it's right. It's in Hebrew, that's kind of a play on words if you had that in front of you. But uh, he, was a, he was a despicable person who did despicable things most of the time. And for Herod, as he heard this, news coming from these wise men it wasn't good news unlike for you and me who experienced the coming of jesus as a good a good thing herod heard about it and he said wait a minute if the messiah comes i'm out of work i'm out of a job i'm gonna have to give up this great lifestyle i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to hand my throne over to somebody else What about my lifestyle? How am I going to pay for all these cars? Right? All of that kind of thing. How am I going to pay my mortgage? Not only that, I imagine that Herod was a little concerned about his own life. See, the common notion of the time was that when the Messiah came, the Messiah was going to be a mighty warrior who would mount up this army that was made up of angels and people who would come in and, at this time, wipe Rome out and, and send them packing. Well, you can see why Herod, a Roman collaborator, uh, a, a puppet of the Roman state, might be a little nervous about a Messiah coming who was going to kick him out and uh, send him packing. In essence, what Herod was afraid of was the unknown and how it might affect him it didn't matter how good this was for everybody else because you know what herod didn't feel oppressed by the romans he thought the romans had done great things. they built roads right the, the trains run on time what do you got to complain about everyone you know as long as the peace was kept everybody was left alone rome was great it was wonderful he had nothing to complain about But for the average person, it was a whole different story. But Herod feared the changes that would come in the wake of a new political situation. He didn't want to lose his place, his standing, his own peace and stability. Even if it meant freedom and salvation for the people he was appointed to represent. Even if it meant a more equitable society where everybody had enough. Not just the wealthy or the kings or the ones who were in. Even if it meant the favor of God and the blessings that came from Yahweh for all people. In his fear, Herod conceived a plot to thwart the plans of God and to change the destiny of the people of God. It wasn't covered in this small section, but you know that the next verse or two we hear that herod had all the children killed within a two-year span of that time the star came why because he was afraid i'm sure herod may have even been shocked himself 
when he decided to have them all killed and eliminated. But desperation can cause people to do unbelievable and unthinkable things. Herod may have even convinced himself that he was justified, feeling righteous in his stance and his position as king. What we see in Herod is the reality that fear drives people to do desperate things, things they might not do otherwise. Fear often will stop us dead in our tracks and cause us to freeze up. When this kind of fear strikes, we become like a leaf blown in the wind, just being carried along by the circumstances that we feel powerless to control. Fear can stop us from persevering, from keep going. In order to keep us going through difficulty, one must honestly believe in their heart of hearts that there is hope. There is hope of success. There is hope that whatever trial we're in right now is temporary. Fear steals that hope. Fear causes us to give up. Fear tells us that we're powerless to change our own situation or the world around us. And it would be better to just wait and let God sort it all out. A lot of people praying for God to come now and just wipe it all out and start over. Fear tells us that we can't do it. And it can cause us to take extraordinary steps to keep things from changing, even if those changes are positive. We see this in so many parts of our lives, in relationships. People with unhealthy relationships often react out of fear, and the result is an even more unhealthy and unhelpful relationship. In business, fear can cause people to behave in unethical ways, to accomplish what they want. In churches even, dare I say, fear can cause people to mount up against one another over some aspect of the church that has changed or is changing or the color of the carpet or what potluck Sunday should be like. And It's funny what people can uh, find to throw all of their fear behind. (laughs) And it was this kind of fear that drove Herod to conspire against the children of Bethlehem. Fear is the enemy of all that Jesus stood for. And it's the thing that holds us back, I believe, more than anything. Fear is that barrier that comes between us, that keeps us at arm's length, that causes us not to trust. We're afraid of getting hurt. And probably because we've been hurt. (laughs) Oftentimes it feels like we have good reason to fear. And it can be an instinct that drives us toward healthy decisions and wholeness for ourselves. But it can also be a stumbling block to the things that God has in store for us, for the life of abundance and fullness that Jesus came to represent to us. 
Herod couldn't see how the world would be a better place. We would just embrace this child. This is what Matthew tries to say to us by telling us a story about Herod. How Herod put up a fight against the plans of God, against the vision God had for a world. Now, there are other characters in this story as well. There came from the east wise men to Jerusalem, the Magi. And these folks, again, Matthew gives us this story about wise men coming from way out in the east. And you might wonder, well, how would they even know what's going on? And uh, I dare say that that comes from the fact that, that in 587 before Christ, the, the Hebrew people were exiled into Babylon, way out into the east in what would now be Iran, in Persia where obviously these stories continued about a coming king who would bring peace and bring unity and bring reconciliation to God's people. And that story took on a life of its own among the Zoroastrians or, or whoever was uh, telling it there in Persia. And they associated this king with a star. They followed that star from the east. And the Magi came looking for this king, looking for this bringer of peace. They didn't sit back to wait and see what would happen, but they went forth as if to say, this is something big and we want to be a part of it. We don't want to be left out. In Matthew's story, it probably took several years for them to come and accomplish this, setting years aside from their life to go see what this foreign God was doing. Not only did they seek the Messiah, but they came with gifts. They came not seeking out what could this king do for us. They came not asking for anything except an audience in order that they may offer him their gifts. Gold, the most valuable of metals, frankincense, an ancient and sawed-after incense, and myrrh, which is a salve with healing properties. Very expensive gifts, gifts worthy of a king, and yet very useful in Jesus' ministry as well. Matthew is telling us something about Christ when he talks of three, well, of wise men. It wasn't actually three, (laughs) but that's our tradition. But he talks of these wise men coming from the east, saying, look, here are people from another country, from another culture, who understand what Jesus brings and the message he brings. The message of peace. The message of reconciliation and equality and oneness in God. A message that is valuable as gold, that can heal your wounds like myrrh, that is sacred as incense wafting toward heaven. Matthew says, here is the story. 
And he contrasts that with the story of the fear of Herod who says, I don't want any part of that. This is too much change. This is going to cause too much discomfort for myself. The Magi represent the opposite of fear. They represent hope. They represent faith. They represent a longing and a desire for the best of all possible worlds. The Magi actively sought out the Christ child, desiring only to receive an audience and bring what they had. We, as followers of Christ, have a chance to seek Him out as well. We each are called to a life seeking Christ, not just passively receiving the bits of Jesus that are easy to get, but actively seeking that audience. Let me tell some truth here for a moment. I got to tell you that coming and sitting through a worship service on Sunday morning, as big a chore as that seems to some of us, is actually pretty easy, really. (laughs) It's really not that, uh, that big of an effort, I don't think. But it's another story altogether to come into this room on Sunday mornings and actively seeking, actively expecting an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. To meet Jesus here on Sunday morning. Even more significant is to go about our daily lives looking for ways to engage all that Jesus is and represents in the world around us. Seeking Him in His Word. Seeking Him in His spiritual fellowship with others. Seeking Him in deliberate and effective prayer. Seeking Him in the faces of the people we see in our everyday lives. Seeking Him in the poor and the disenfranchised and the left out. Seeking Him in those who need to hear a word about how much they got. (laughs) The rich need Jesus too. Amen. Amen. but seeking Him in all the world around us. We, perhaps this is, this, what is significant here is the blessing that we receive when we seek Christ, not asking what we get out of it, but wondering what we bring to the Christ child. Perhaps it's news, but here is my faith, here is my belief, that we each have something to bring. There is no superfluous people here in these pews today. We all have been gifted by God and brought together to make the world a better place, to herald in the kingdom of God. And what you have, Jesus needs. And so it's a different blessing altogether to ask, what what do I have? What can I bring? What gift do I have to offer the Christ child that will ultimately help in the ministry we're called to? Our devotion, our loyalty, our time and our talent, our heart, soul, and mind, each are costly and wonderful gifts that are worthy of this King. The This attitude of what do I bring to Christ is the antithesis of what Herod sought. Herod sought out, what what do I get out of this? 
and what's coming down the road for me. But this attitude will make the changes that are the norm in Christianity and the church so much easier. When we're, change won't be so scary if we're asking ourselves, well, what can I do to make what we do here better? This attitude will create a heart that is open to finding Christ in new and unusual places. Just like the Magi. This was a whole different culture for them. This was a whole different world for them. What Matthew is trying to say is, look, the world Jesus is trying to talk to us about is going to look so much different than the world you live in. Open your mind. Open your heart. Consider the possibilities that lay in front of us. This attitude will help belay the fears of the unknown and the uncomfortable. In fact, it will seek it out. So that when you find yourself with a little few little butterflies in your stomach or squirming in the pew, you start saying to yourself, wow, we must be on the right road because I'm real uncomfortable. <laughs> we must be doing something right. This attitude will make each of us an ally to all that God has in store for the future and not a foe to the new thing that God is doing in our midst, in our church, in our city, and in our world. This story, this parable that Matthew gives to us is an invitation. We have two ways of looking at how God is actively at work in the world around us. We can look around and see all the things that God is doing and we can say, you know what, I find that so fearful, so scary. I'm going to do what I can to kind of stay away from it. Or we can see, we can look around for what God is doing and say, this is so big, I want to be a part of it. And I will bring all that I have and all that I am. And I'm going to throw in. I'm going to see what God does and be a part of it. There are choices. Herod or the Magi. And as we go through this coming year, I pray that each of us will find the desire and the will and the ability to come to God in prayer and say, I'm trying to be a wise person. <laughs> I'm trying to bring my gifts, and my talents. I count on you, God, to show me how. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we hear this story of the Magi and of Herod. And we hear you call us to faithfulness, knowing that as we are faithful, as we offer our gifts to you, you are faithful in bringing about the kind of world you tell us about, the kind of world Jesus was born to bring. Help us be a part of all that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.